Warning. Warning. Vulgar language may be heard on this podcast. Foolish humans. Bleep blorp. Lights go down and you found yourself surrounded Astounded by the veteran crew that you discounted But we're back for our piece of this game And we remain on a mission to increase the recognition of the name That you saw on the marquee when you walked in the building to the show Thought you brought your potholes, but we feel them It's just one of our tricks, we're in the mix like trail The mic in my hand becomes a Molotov cocktail Igniting your vicinity from now till infinity Burning it down, we build it back from the ground up Jay Vigilantes are back on a round up We're trying to reach the Owner. Yo, 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 what is up, hoes? You're listening to the dulcet tones of Travesty Jones. We're here with the third edition of Magic in the Middle of Nowhere, here once again to make love to your ear vaginas. And with me tonight, first, a man who loves to slap people in the face with his big deck. That would be Chris. What's up, Chris? What up, y'all? <laughs> Very nice. And how how big is that big deck of yours? 60 cards deep. Oh, man, I thought it was bigger. I thought it was like Battle of Wits or something. But that's fine. That's fine. You know, you work with what you got. <laughs> And uh, next we have a man who loves to have all the ladies check out his wild worm. And that would be Robert. What's up, Robert? Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. And uh, hey, ladies, remember, flip a coin whenever you're dealing with uh, Robert's wild worm. See if it's going heads or tails. <laughs> uh, and that'll be enough of that voice. <laughs> Uh, so yes, let's, uh, just get right into the news here on Magic in the Middle of Nowhere. I'm sure if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you've heard a lot of this before, but you know what? We're gonna give our take on it anyway. Oh, by the way, we're re-recording this, so this is kinda weird, cause we already, uh, recorded this podcast, and it was just all messed up, but got some new, uh, software recommended to me by Robert the Beamy, and the other Robert, um, who's on a lot of MTG Cash is, he's kind of the the whore of uh, podcasting on MTG Cash because he's all over the place on a bunch of different shows. But he recommended some software to me, so hopefully that'll work out for us. Anyway, let's start with uh, us being on the Mana Screwed Awards, which uh, I guess was last week. And uh, Robert, refresh our memory as to what uh, or the award we gave out was. It was the um, video podcast of the year. Uh, and who won it? That would be Channel Fireballs, uh, LSV, and PSG. Oh, yes. Tristan and Luis, uh, who do do a great job with their video podcasting. And uh, we had a good time being on there. Uh, we played it straight because we didn't know exactly what they wanted from us as far as the format and everything. We uh, kept it short and sweet. Some of the other people kind of expanded on uh, the awards they gave out. And we could have done that too, but, you know, live and learn. We'll do it next time. So, yeah, thanks to those guys for letting us be on their podcast. By the way, we forgot to give out an award for uh, one of the awards they gave us. We forgot to mention uh, Palladium Mirror of the Year. Uh, and the Palladium Mirror of the Year goes to Grand Architect. 
horrible magic joke, pretty retarded, but check out this card so you might understand what I'm talking about. Uh, so, let's move on to, um, we haven't had a chance to talk about the banned and restricted update from December 20th, um, and we called it, called it, nobody else even came close to it, but we said Survival of the Fittest was getting banned, we put our foot down, and guess what? Wizards listened to us, so we got, uh, clearly we got all the power on, on this one. No surprise there, but then Time Spiral was unbanned, um, which I don't think anybody was really expecting. Um, Robert, what do you think is uh, of the potential for some uh, new Time Spiral decks in Legacy? Oh, there's going to be tons of stuff. You know, people have a toy to play with. You know, as soon as something gets unbanned, everyone gets to brewing, so I'm sure we're going to get some crazy stuff out of this one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see some new uh, Legacy Top 8, seeing if we see any copies of Time Spiral in there. Um, yeah, so well, next let's mention um, Commander is kind of the, since our last podcast, uh, we've had the official Commander announcements. Uh, it's no longer Elder Dragon Highlander, it's Commander. I know in our card store we don't really play much EDH, or I guess we should say Commander now. Um, but it still is pretty sweet that we're going to be getting some new cards, you know, made by Magic or made by Wizards of the Coast, specifically for Commander. And you won't be able to play them in, say, Standard, even though they're new cards. But uh, apparently, they are going to be legal in Eternal formats like Legacy and Vintage. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, what is either of you guys got a take on that? It's a fun format. I'm glad we're getting uh, some support for it. Yeah, they, and we got, uh, I don't know, some really cool cards that, that are gonna be good for any multiplayer format. You know, I saw that, that one that makes a dragon for all players in the game except for one. So that, that could be a lot of fun. You got five players, uh, you get to totally screw somebody else over. So, some fun political cards. Um, so looking forward to Commander, and let me see, uh, we have some be- new Besieged spoilers as well to talk about, and uh, you guys got your lists up there. Uh, well, let's go first with uh, the Hero of Bladehold. I'll read that one. It is uh, two white and two. It's a human knight, three, four creature. has a new ability called Battlecry, which says whenever this creature attacks, each other attacking creature gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. And whenever a hero of Bladehold attacks, put two one one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. And it's a mythic rare. It seems really good to me because uh, I know Knight Exemplar is a, pr- a pretty um, good card. We were looking for some more knights to play in Type Two. Now we get one that not only is a pretty stout knight on its own, it's going to make all your other indestructible knights. Uh, plus one, plus zero, whenever it attacks, and it's going to bring some more creatures into play, although those creatures aren't knights, sadly. They're uh, soldier tokens, but still, you can start overwhelming your opponent with that. Uh, Seems like a pretty damn good card. But the only thing here is that I've heard some other podcasts talking about how it's a mythic rare, but it just does not seem like a mythic. What do you guys think? Definitely does not feel like a mythic. I mean, it, it's just a standard card. There's nothing really mythic about it. And you know, maybe it was Battle Cry three, and now got plus three, plus zero. Then it would be something. <laughs> yeah, that would be huge. Uh, what What do you think, Chris? I totally agree. It just seems to me like a like a regular rare. It's it's pretty good. 
I mean, it's pretty awesome. I would wouldn't mind having one, but I mean, it just doesn't seem epic enough to be mythic. Yeah, and, uh, yeah obviously, mythic cards are supposed to be you know giant creatures, legendary things, um, you know things that should be maybe one ofs. Um, but Hero Blade Hold just doesn't seem like it has that giant effect that you're looking for out of a mythic rare, you know. So, it still seems pretty good, but I don't know about it being mythic. Maybe they should try to, you know, think a little harder about designing mythics. It's almost like, uh, they designed the set, and then they just, they were like, oh, well, we don't have too many planeswalkers or large creatures in here, but we gotta throw some mythics in there, so what's gonna be mythic? Oh, let's just make Hero Blade Hold mythic. It's kind of the feeling I get from that card. What other spoilers do we got? Robert, why don't you go ahead and tell us about a card I know you're kind of excited about in Glissa the Traitor. All right, we got a new uh, legendary creature here. It's uh, one black and two green for a 3-3. Three, three. So that's three mana for a 3-3, three, three, so it's already, you know, R8. But uh, it's a zombie elf. Starting to get a little better. It's first strike and death touch. Which is a pretty good creature, but it also has an ability. This ability seems really cool. Just that whenever a creature an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, yeah, seems great. <laughs> it's also a mythic, but this one feels a little more mythic. Yeah, even though it's not a giant creature or anything, it has a cool effect, and um, it's legendary, and it's, you know, gold, which, we, you know, you haven't seen too many gold cards recently. And First Strike and Death Touch is always a nice combination. I like that. Oh, yeah. Are you already planning on making this uh, one of your commander generals? I don't know if it'll be the general, but I, I do plan on including it, like, in the commander deck. All right, cool. And then we had one more... Besieged card spoiled, and Chris, you want to go ahead and read that one off to us? Thopter Assembly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an artifact creature, costs six, it's a Thopter, with, it's got flying, it's five five. It's the beginning of your upkeep, if you control no Thopters other than a Thopter Assembly, return Thopter Assembly to its owner's hand and put five one one colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield. It seems pretty good, and it's a 5-5 flyer for 6, and you can get a whole bunch of other creatures. Um, but then you got to kind of compare it to what else is out there right now in Standard. As far as 6-drop artifacts, uh, we got Worm Coil Engine, we got Steel Hellkite. Robert, how, how would you rank those three cards next to each other? Well, I think you know any deck that's going to be playing you know, six drop artifact is going to be playing Worm Coil Engine. The card's so much better than the others. It's such a, a better choice for any control deck as a finisher. I just Thopter Assembly seems too slow, and you know you don't want to be casting Thopter Assembly over and over every turn. You know, tying up your mana. And you want one time, one big thing, and go. That's true. I mean, you play this guy. Say you got a mana ramp spell somewhere in there, maybe turn five, you play him, and then next turn at the beginning of your upkeep, I imagine he's going to be the only Thopter in play, unless you got Ornithopter or something out there, and it doesn't even give you the choice. You have to bounce him back to your hand to put five one one colorless Thopter artifact creatures into play. So you're using turn five to do that, 
um, on on turn six, you're bouncing him back up to your hand, and then you're going to have to play him again. It just takes so long to get him online, get any of the effects going. I mean, uh, clearly it could be decent for combo decks like Time C, where it gives you your five artifacts you're going to need in order to to start that combo off. Definitely seems kind of slow. And um, that's going to lead us, actually. Some of those cards, well, the Hero Bladehold we saw recently in the last bas- batch of uh, NPR cards that came out. Magic Player Rewards is over. They sent out the last batch of cards, and I know Robert and I got some. Robert, what cards did you get? I got uh, quite a few goodies here. And the main thing that I saw as soon as I opened up was this uh, oversized Hero of Bladehold, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I do enjoy that. I just wish it had the regular magic back on it, so it just would be a little bit more tradable if it didn't have an advertisement on the back, but a regular magic card back. You could use it, uh, I think we discussed last time, you could use it as an EDH general, or, well, not an EDH, well, I guess with Glissa, with Glissa, that you could, it could be an EDH general. And then, what other cards came, came to you? Of course, you get this sweet full art holographic or foil, rather day of judgment. Uh, yeah, you get the foil textless uh, day of judgment. Very nice. I got that one as well. And trust me, people, uh, if you're going to be playing day of judgment in a deck, this is the one you're going to want to be playing. It is really, really sweet. Great artwork, and uh, it's just an impressive card to look at. I know as far as, like, Uncommons and Commons, I got, um, in my batch, uh, Brave the Elements in on the Uncommon slot, and then I got Searing Blaze, Treasure Hunt, Blightning, and, uh, yeah, I think that that was pretty much it. It got five cards out of there, but, uh, they're all solid cards, and, you know, they're all foil textless, uh, well, not they're all foil, but they're textless full art cards that are very cool. Did you get any, uh, other additions other than this? Uh, well, I got the Searing Blaze and the Treasure Hunt, of course, and then I got uh, Unmake, which is pretty cool. It's not really used much, but it's still a good card. And uh, I got Volcanic Fallout, which is a good one, into my Texas Volcanic Fallout collection. You know, it's got some goodies, lots of good uh, full art cards, and they're always fun to play. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Unmake is a definitely, you know, it's not a standard card, but it's a solid card, and you could uh, throw that into an EDH deck. Or Commander deck, sorry, it's going to take me a while. I probably never will stop saying EDH, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a good batch of cards, and it's, set, so, you know, I'm sorry to see M- NPR um, go, because I think it was a good program, and I'm really, you know, skeptical as to whether or not they're going to actually start pumping more cards into Friday Night Magics and things like that. We'll see. Yeah. Who knows what they'll start bringing, uh, you know, Friday Night Magic and stuff. Hopefully it's something, you know, new, something more, something great. Maybe they'll start giving out, you know, you know, full art cards to everyone that comes, and then the first and second or whatever get the foil versions or something. You know, something cool, because I really like the uh, textless cards. No, yeah, it's that we want, um, you know, wizards to support local stores as much as possible. That's one thing we're always preaching on this show is how important, um, you know, for paper magic the local stores are. And if they have that much more incentive, if players have that much more incentive to attend their Friday Night Magic or, you know, whatever a shop has going on, um, it's nothing but goodness. So hopefully that will happen. 
Uh, also, I wanted to thank, on a personal note, TCGplayer.com, because I uh, signed up for a contest they were having to win a new card game, the Resident Evil deck building game. And, uh, you know, by signing up, you know, reposting, retweeting something on Twitter. And I won. I was one of five winners. So thanks to TCGplayer.com and Bandai. And the guy on the boards on the, on that page who, who said, uh, who left the comment, how are they even chosen? It said right on the page of the contest that was going to be at random. So stop being a little bitch and crying that you didn't win. Well, you are a loser because I won, but you didn't. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, TCGplayer.com, Resident Evil deck building game. I'll let you guys know how it is. See if it was uh, worth the zero dollars I spent on it. I'm sure it will be. And that will move us away from the new section into old deck of the week. And for the old deck of the week, we got the old man, uh, Chris, presenting. Well, what deck is it going to be this week, Chris? Well, this week it's the uh, one of my favorites, my old blue-green control threshold deck. Okay, blue-green threshold. Yeah, from Odyssey. All awesome. right. Well, uh, what are some of the key cards in there? How does it work? Well, I'd have to say the number one key card for that deck was um, Talarian Winds. First of all, if you don't know what Threshold is, it's um, it's an ability certain creatures and other cards have. If you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, they get something extra special, sort of like you know Metalcraft or whatever. And um, Talarian Winds, if you if you don't know, tells you to discard your hand and then draw that many cards. So I would play second, so I'd have a handful of cards. I'd draw that. That'd be the eighth card. Bam, threshold, second turn. And then I had cards in there like Werebear, which is a, it's a 1-1 one, one for 2 that you tap to add 1 green mana to your mana pool, which is, you know, an overpriced land of War Elves. But it has threshold, and it gets plus 3, plus 3 if you have threshold. So there's a 4-4 four, four for 2. Then I had a Croson Beast, which is a 1-1 one, one for Three and one green, but if you have threshold, you get plus seven, plus seven. So that's eight, eight for four, which is pretty awesome. And at the time, Mystic Snake was still standard, which is one, one green and two blue. And it's like a, it's really awesome. It's like a grizzly bear and a counter spell wrapped up into one because it has flash. So not only do you counter the spell, but you drop a two, two creature in the face on top of it. So it was, it was a lot of fun to play because uh, a lot of times with control, I find I don't have huge monstrous creatures like eight eights and four fours rolling around. You got you know two two flyers and stuff. You're hitting them for a couple damage a turn and keeping the big cards off the board. But this deck, you're keeping them from playing anything important and you're dropping eight eights. So it's pretty fun. Right. So you're whipping uh, whipping snakes out of your big deck to whack people in the face with. Oh yeah, my deck was so big, they had a, a snake inside of it. That's snakes. Pr- that's pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, like you said, the, you you know you can you can take the strategy in a cult control deck playing small evasive creatures to kill your opponent, or on the opposite side, you can get larger mana intensive creatures to um, 
to you know get them later in the game after you have control of the board. But with mat or with a threshold, you would actually get you know mana efficient cre- mana efficient fatties. So you kind of had the best of both worlds there. All you had to do was fill your graveyard up with stuff. And I know that at the time, madness decks were more probably more popular than threshold. And uh, also they would use a lot of flashback cards. Those are the main um, mechanics in the Odyssey block. They would be playing Roar of the Worms and they'd be pitching, playing Wild Mongrels, pitching Bas- Basking Root Wallows and uh, Talarian Winds and things like that. But uh, Chris went with the Threshold deck, so that might be something that pe- people want to try out. It is a pretty fun one to play with. Um, well, I mean, what what does make it fun, Chris? Well, like I said, I think what makes it fun is, like, um, as you know, I know when I first started playing Magic, I was enthralled by large creatures and stuff, you know, worms. Everyone had a worm deck because worms are huge, and that just seems awesome at the time. And um, so you combine the awesomeness of monstrous creatures with the awesomeness of seeing your opponent wanting to cry because they can't play anything because you're controlling the game. So not only are you controlling what they can do, you're smacking them in the face with giant creatures. It's just, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of good there. Uh, Sweet. So, um, And then I was thinking if there could be any new additions to the deck. Well, I had actually played, maybe it's not a new addition, it was actually an older card, but something you could add to the deck was I put Spell Shapers in there. Uh, namely um, Waterfront Bouncer, so that way I would actually play Madness cards as well, and uh, that way whenever you discard your Madness creatures or you know whatever spell, you also get an extra effect that comes from the Spell Shaper, like Waterfront Bouncer bounces a creature to their hand, so uh, just looking for synergy like that. Um, but I'm sure there's some newer cards you could add in, I just can't come up with any off the top of my head right now. Yeah, so there you go. Good presentation. Hopefully somebody would run, pick up that deck and run with it. And that brings us to new deck of the week, which will be presented by Robert. What have you got for us? Oh, we got a standard Mindslaver deck. Mindslaver? Do tell. Oh, yeah. So the basis of the deck, you have Prototype Portal, and then you have Mindslaver. With Prototype Portal, you can imprint an artifact from your hand, and then you can... Uh, pay X and tap it, or X is the converted mana cost of the card that you uh, exiled or imprinted. So that's basically getting your Mind Slaver out each turn. Mind Slaver, of course, takes control of their turn for them. So you basically take all their turns for them. And the deck has a bunch of ways to, you know, kind of ramp up to the mana needed to actually play it. I mean, it, it's mana intensive to lock down each turn. It's like 10 mana, I believe. Exactly 10 mana. Yeah. So uh, it does some other th- cool things, like it has some uh, some early fast mana, it has uh, Voltaic Keys and uh, Everflowing Chalice. You can either put, you know, the Voltaic Keys on a prototype portal and make a bunch of Voltaic Keys. Like, uh, I've made like 20 plus Voltaic Keys before. And uh, if you have an Everflowing Chalice for two, each of your Voltaic Keys generates one mana. If you have a Chalice for three, each of your Voltaic Keys generates two mana. So you can uh, generate a lot of mana with that deck. And uh does some pretty fun things. It's uh, it's basically a mono-blue deck. You know, it's a controlling deck. You play a lot of counterspells like Mana Leak, all kinds of good stuff. 
That sounds like you're building up a lot of mana. What, I mean, you're just using that on the Mind Slaver lock, or do you got anything else in there you're using all that mana on? Well, we do have uh, a beatdown plan, too, which is uh, usually a kill condition here. Uh, with all that mana, uh, X-costing spells are a lot better. So we use all kinds of you know, X-costing spells. I believe Chimeric Mass is the, the best one for that slot, since you can tutor it with... Trinket Mage. <laughs> yes, Trinket Mage, that's it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can tutor it up and... Uh, pump all this mana into it, and then you have a giant creature beating down. You know, usually when you play it, you're playing it for like you know, 15 or 20 or something like that, and they're on like a one or two turn clock, so they're pretty dead once you throw that down unless they have the rule for it. And you're playing counter magic, so you usually can, can back it up pretty good. The, uh, the bad matchup for that deck was the aggro matchup, so we decided to put a elixir of immortality in the deck, and you can either put that on the... Um, the prototype portal, or you can tutor it up with a uh, trinket mage, and uh, you gain tons of life. If you put it on the prototype portal and you have a few old day keys out, you can just make you know three or four of a turn. I mean, you're gaining 30 life a turn, so it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't see how anybody's going to come back from that. I mean, it's not infinite life gain, but it sounds like you know it's more than anybody could possibly deal you in a single turn. So. A lot of combos going on in that deck, but it sounds like it's kind of it's reliant on getting multiple prototype portals. Um, I mean, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I've, I've been testing a lot of different ways. Um, I'm testing the Kuldotha Forge Master, you know, to try to sample the pieces. But it's, it's a work in progress. You know, it's it's a fun deck to play. Um, it's not quite at the competitive level yet, but it's getting there. I've been running a magical online a lot. You know. It seems like it has potential. Yeah. Um, well, about the prototype portals, I also had the idea last uh, time we recorded that you could use Into the Royal or something like that just to bounce it back to your hand rather than, you know, after you were done making enough keys, then you wouldn't have to necessarily have a second prototype portal. You could just bounce it. Of course. Yeah. And then uh, you, what were you saying about some of the reactions you were getting from playing this online against people? Oh, yeah, I'd make, like, 10 or 15 full take keys, and the person would just leave the game. They're like, nope, I'm done. It's not... <laughs> Didn't even want to mess with all that. Oh, yeah, people, they're, they love to net deck online, and there's so much blue-black control after, you know, Worlds. So, and the deck has a pretty good matchup against other control decks because, you know, they're slower and you have time to set up, and you win the mana war because you generate so much more mana than they do. Like I just make a bunch of keys and I'd have like you know fifty mana just sitting around. Like, okay, go ahead and mana leak this. I don't care. I'm, I'll pay for it. It's fine. It's good. Sounds great. Well, uh, yeah, pick up the Mind Slaver uh, combo deck there. Try it out. I, I have also played that. Um, and Voltaic Key on a prototype portal is a pretty sweet thing. So <laughs> try that out, people. So we'll move on to our store of the week. Uh, our store of the week uh, I've chosen is House of Cards. The House of Cards in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Um, I've been in there a couple times. First time I went in there, kind of a, a slow day early. The store owner was in there, and uh, he seemed like a really nice guy. He was engaging. You know, he was asking me, you know, about you know what I like, what I play, and trying to get me to come to the store, play for like Friday Night Magics and stuff like that. 
Um, and, you know, I was asking him about all the singles prices and stuff. He'll buy cards, obviously, you know, at a lower, lowered price because he's got to make a buck off of them. He's got a really good selection of magic stuff and singles. He's also got a lot of sports cards, other card games, Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, they were probably sorting out like 10,000 Yu-Gi-Oh cards in the back room whenever I was in there. So uh got a good selection, and I could tell they have a lot of people playing there because they had so many tables set up in there. But um, the unique thing about it was that each one at each seat had its own playmat. Like, you don't even need to bring yours because they're already provided. Each each uh, seat had its own, including the uh, that cool magic show uh, playmat that I like so much where you can send your guys up into the red zone and swing. So so go check it out. If you're ever in, in near Uniontown, Pennsylvania, you live in that area, you haven't been there yet, um, it's a pretty quality store, and the guy's nice, and it uh, seems like they have a real good community there. So there you go, House of Cards. Which brings us to our topic of the week, uh, which is meeting new magic players. And I know this is kind of a big deal if you're in a small town, if you're in the middle of nowhere like us, um, and you don't have a store specifically um, that hosts Friday Night Magics and things like that. They don't have a play area at, you know, whatever card stores are in town or comic book stores. You know, how, how do you go about meeting new Magic players? And I just wanted to recommend right off the bat, if there's a university in your town, a college of any kind, try hanging out at the student, student union there because that's a great place to, to meet new Magic players. I know at uh, West Virginia University, where I went to college, at the Mountain Layer, which was their student union, I just went down to the basement. They had bowling alleys and an arcade and bar down there. They had some tables set up. I would just sit there at the table, um, you know, reading, doing with my work or whatever, and then just sit there with a Magic deck on the table in front of me. And sure enough, eventually somebody would come by and be like, hey, man, you play Magic? you want to play a game? So try that. Basically put your bait out there and see if you catch any Magic players. I mean, do you guys have any other recommendations as far as where where you can meet new Magic players? My recommendation is uh, basically any store that you have that sells cards. Maybe it's a sports card shop, but they have a small section of Magic cards or whatever. Give your telephone number or email address or something to the shop owner to give out to players you know, buying Magic products. You know, that'll get more people interested and they'll sell more cards. Etc. Or you can also uh, see if you can put a flyer up in the store so people can see that. You know, people get a, uh, a hold of you and then set up something from there. All right, Chris. Anything to add to that? Well, I definitely agree with the flyers. That's what we used for our Magic Club at WVU. Make sure you put like the mana symbols on there, the five mana symbols. Use the Magic font or whatnot. You know, because a magic nerd's gonna see that, you know, black skull sitting there and the little blue drop of water, and they're gonna be like, "Oh, dude, more nerds!" <laughs> like moths to the flame. Yes, totally. They can't resist it. Yeah. So flyer, flyer your nerd stores with your information if you're you're looking to meet some people. <laughs> Robert, you also recommended last time like training up new magic players. Oh, yeah, definitely. You can find magic players and people that you never think of. You know, just teach people the game, and they might just love it like, you know, we do. Yeah. Um, I know my personal experience back in the day, they had the Guru program. Um, I signed up for that, which is basically you just go around, um, you know, find people who are interested in maybe playing magic and teach them how to play. 
you get them to sign your little sheet or whatever, and you you know teach enough people how to play, and uh, they would keep sending you some cards, which were these super sweet Guru lands, which uh, I think are super expensive now. I got two islands, which are the most expensive ones, and ended up trading them a long time ago for not that much. I'm really kicking myself now because those are some sweet ass lands, but. Uh, no, definitely teaching people how to play magic. If you if you can't find magic players, create some. And that's that's definitely a great way to do it. But remember, whenever you're putting up your signs at your sign stores, um, I mean, eventually, you're going to need a place to play. So if you're having people over, um, you know, that's an important part of meeting people. Um, just make sure that you, you're, you know, you're prepared and ready to play. Because uh, you can't just... Have people over when you got like one card table, one square card table, and four four chairs. If you got like eight to ten people coming over, so people aren't gonna want to come back if they had to sit on the floor for the whole night playing magic cards, um, sitting Indian style or whatever. <laughs> That's not gonna work. And uh, don't forget, don't be a dick. Uh, ask people if they want something to drink. You know. <laughs> Provide some chips or something. Make it a pleasant experience so that people enjoy coming over. But at the same time, you probably will want to meet up with these people. You know, you're getting contacted by randomly uh, first to make sure that uh, make sure that they're you know decent people because you know don't want you know just random people coming over. Um, a good way to make sure that somebody is a magic player you're going to play with is try trading with them because uh, if they're somebody who's you know acting shady, they're <clears throat> always out to get the better end of the of any trade. Um, they're never going to trade fairly. That's probably not somebody you're going to want to play with. And you know, try to maybe play a couple games with them at a neutral site and see how they react to you know winning and losing. You don't want to start playing with people who are you know bad winners because uh, you know it sucks when you lose and people rub it in your face. You're just like you know take it easy asshole. <laughs> or uh, you know bad losers are also pretty crappy. So. But maybe they're not bad losers. Maybe you're the bad winner. Remember that. Uh, so there. Any other uh, tips, you guys, as far as meeting new Magic players, having people over? <laughs> Got to keep those victory dances to a minimum. Yeah, keep uh, as you know as little uh, pelvic thrusting as you can. And remember, uh, I know uh, nerds can weigh 300 pounds and smell pretty bad, but uh, make sure you you ask them if they want something to drink. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's move on here. That was our topic, but now we're on to listener email, which actually we didn't get any emails this week, and I didn't get any tweets either. Speaking of which, there was a guy last week, Sarkin Mad was what his Twitter handle was, and uh, we he asked us a couple questions uh, about his wanted us to cover his deck and a card that he he wanted to talk about and we did that and then like the next week all of a sudden he dropped me as a he's not following me on Twitter anymore so i you know, i guess uh maybe i'm not entertaining enough i'll try to be more entertaining you know i'll try to to you know be funny or whatever but uh whenever you only have like two twitter followers you're going to notice whenever one up and leaves so uh i'm calling this guy out <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, we did get some comments, uh, on the MTG cast page. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read first one from Dan. Dan says, 
As a newer player, this is easily the most accessible and fun podcast to listen to. I've already subscribed to you guys. Keep up the great work. And uh, my first reaction to that is, holy shit. I, that is about the most inspiring goddamn thing I've ever heard in my life. Thank you so much for the kind words there, Dan, and we're going to keep trying to, to be good for you. He went on to say, uh, Also, I wanted to add that you guys gave me the courage to put together a deck after all these years of sitting on cards. Apparently, he stopped collecting around the Mercadian Mass, um, and he was going to try to play in a beginner's tournament at his local store. Uh, he says, I knew I wanted a pinger deck, so with some of your card suggestions like Gelectrode, Sigil of Sleep, and Razorfin Hunter, I decided I would try to integrate those into a blue-red pinger deck, which would include those, some Prodigal Sorcerers, and, uh, and Pyromancers, and some Burn and Control cards. And actually, he, he said, uh, I'll, I'll post the deck once he finally gets it together, and he'll let you know how he does it, he'll let us know how he does it, did at the tournament. Um, and then he actually responded to that, I guess, after the tournament. And it says, my deck failed horribly <laughs> since I lost every match. And, uh, came, uh, but he said he came close to winning a couple matches. In particular, a match against a popular pro deck, which had Jace the Mind Sculptor in it. He can't really recall what else it did, so. <clears throat> Most importantly, he says, I had lots of fun since it was a beginner's tournament, and I learned quite a bit in the process. You know, that is the most important thing, that you had fun. <laughs> uh, he considered throwing in, he says he considered throwing in Sigil of Sleep, like what we recommended, but one of his friends uh, that played longer than him said not to bother with it, instead just go for Unsummon and Boomerang, in particular because Boomerang, while only costing one mana more, works against any permanent, while Sigil of Sleep works only on creatures. Yeah, so he he says he sees the advantage to having Sigil of Sleep in that once it's played, he can keep using it, but he kind of just went with the advice of his friends and went with the Unsummon and Boomerang. Chris, what are your feelings on, on that decision? Um, hmm. I don't know. I really like Sigil of Sleep. I mean, most most decks do have creatures in them. Yeah, obviously. No, it was definitely foolish to go with the unsummoned and boomerang. I think because that's the, yeah the whole point of getting the sigil of sleep in there is that you have the potential to you know keep bouncing stuff back to their hand every turn. So more than just a one shot. Boomerang is definitely a good card. I in my deck I had capsize. Yeah, capsize is good just because you can use it over and over again too. But it costs like six mana to do that. But uh, yeah, yeah boomerangs boomerang solid. I like playing a second turn boomerang on one of their lands just to slow them up. Oh yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> uh, just about everyone uh, for his deck suggested playing Death Touch, so he's uh, thinking of picking up some Basilisk Collars, and uh, he can see quite a spike being ex- extremely effective early in the game. Um, and he posted his deck list to us. So I would say, uh, you know, that was pretty cool that you decided to go with the Pinger deck, Dan. And uh, I actually made up a, whenever I read this, I, I don't want to beat this deck into the ground because it's kind of just a casual deck, but uh, I thought I'd help you out a little bit more. I'm going to post how I would have built a deck like that on um, in the comments. But basically, don't go with Prodigal Sorcerer and Prodigal Pyromancer because there are a lot of Pingers out there, and a lot of them have better effects than just your, your standard Pinger. I would uh, so I would go with Razorfin Hunter, Gelectrode, 
because Razor Fin Hunter is cheap. Electrode is something that will untap when you play instance. And I also go with Cunning Spark Page and Volshock Sorcerer. Is it Volshock Sorcerer or Volshock Apprentice? I forget. But whichever, they, they come into play with haste, so you, they can just ping right away, which is better. Um, yeah, I would definitely, I consider going with the Sedulous Leap and Bassless Collar, but thinking about it, um, Bassless Collar should be all you really need. You'll gain a little bit of life, you'll kill the creature off, you won't have to worry about it coming back into play later, because it'll be dead. Um, also, just wanted to include Curiosity. It's a creature enchantment that whenever one of your pingers damages them, you're going to draw a card. So, pretty sweet. Um, also threw in a Counterspell package of Negate and Counterspell, some Brainstorms. Those are real cheap, easy to get for the most part, um, and definitely solid cards. Um Throw in some lightning bolts for some, you know, a little early control or some extra reach, trying to get somebody's life total down, and then a couple of Pemmin's auras, which is a great uh, creature enchantment to get on to one of your pingers because it can give them shroud for one blue mana, or it can untap them for one blue mana. So basically, you can go, it'll turn it into a machine gun. You can keep untapping it with as much blue mana as you have. Just remember to keep one open to, at all times uh, to give it shroud if if you can. Um, so basically the only card that's going to cost any money for this is going to be Scalding Tarn, which is which is what you're going to want to stabilize your mana base between red and blue. But uh, you also have some other options. I would go for all three. Scalding Tarn, Shivan Reef, which is a pain land, and Cascade Bluffs, which is the red-blue filter land. So uh, yeah, I'll post that up and try that out. And thank you so much for, for sending all that, that tournament coverage of the Pinger deck to us. Next, we have a guy who actually plays at our store locally, left a comment, um, and he has some recommendations for newer players. So I'll go down his list here. The first is, uh, don't get discouraged. Getting into competitive magic can be a daunting task. Some of us have been playing like that for years. What do you guys think? True, false? It's definitely true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is tough getting into competitive magic and like we've mentioned before um newer players can come to a store and get real discouraged whenever they pretty much get their asses handed to them by you know somebody who's been playing tournament magic for a long time but uh don't get discouraged you'll get there eventually always be try to improve your 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 card pool and your play skill and uh, i would always recommend uh as the best way to to get a better card pool, draft a lot, because it's going to help you build, learn how to build decks, and it's, you're going to keep getting cards that you can trade with, trade fodder, so that's important. Uh, number two, be original. De- net decking the most popular deck can be a quick way to win some matches, but it hurts you in the long run. For example, trying to play limited with no deck building experience. What do you guys think, true? It's another true one right there. I definitely agree with him here. Yeah, no, I mean, deck building helps you learn the rules. I mean, you gotta know what a good card is to be able to build a deck. So you gotta know how to use certain abilities and everything. And being able to build a deck means you know how to play the game, and that's how you win. Because you can have the best deck ever and not know how to play it, and you're gonna get your ass kicked. No, that's true. Because whenever you, you deck build, you will, like you said, learn the rules a little bit better. Just because you'll be playing with more diversified cards, um, you won't just be playing with, you know, what somebody else came up with. You, you'll try out different cards and you'll learn how they interact with each other and uh, make some unique uh, card interactions. So, true there. Uh, number three, ask for help. 
the chances are that there will be other people at the game store that can help you out. Uh, caution. Make sure you ask people who are knowledgeable. Uh, what do you think, guys? True, false? It's definitely true. You don't want to go around asking people that just started playing, you know. It's like, oh, well, I think this worm's the best creature ever. <laughs> it's a grave titan. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, his recommendation is ask for help. And, yeah, there's going to be some people at your store that are knowledgeable and would be more than happy to help you. I know Robert and I play Friday Night Ma- Friday Night Magic at our store, and we're always trying to help people with rules, trying to, you know, some pe- sometimes we've had people come up to us and say, hey, here's, you know, here's my cards, here's all my black cards, would you try to make me a nice black deck out of this, or something like that, and I'm always happy to try to help them out, and then explain what my choices were, you know, how, why I chose so many, uh, or, you know, creatures or spells, and, uh, why there's the number of lands that are in there. That's important because new players oftentimes don't realize that they need to put more mana in their decks. <laughs> For the longest time, I was just putting 20, 20 lands in decks when I first started, but uh, you definitely uh, usually need more. Yeah, definitely. Like um, Many times I see people running like 75-card decks. Got to keep it at 60 yeah, around there. 60 is a great number. And, uh, yeah, definitely ask other knowledgeable players for help. Uh, I've had people come to me, you know, I've explained a bunch of different interactions with decks. So people are always willing to help. Yep, for sure. All right, number uh, number four on his list, look up the stack, know it, or lose. What do you think, true or false? <laughs> That's definitely true. Definitely, because, well, you know, the stack is real important and like, Whenever I was first playing, I was terrible for the longest time. I didn't know what an instant was for like a year and a half or maybe more. I couldn't figure out why it was so awesome. You know, I'm playing giant growth before I attacked and shit like that. And, <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, learning learning how to play instants is important. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for the longest time, uh, whenever I remember one of the things that really opened my eyes when playing Magic was whenever I figured out what a counter spell did. <laughs> so at first, you're just like, counter target spell, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an important aspect to Magic. It's not just the uh, creatures and attacking with them. Yeah. You also need to, uh, to figure out how to order triggers and such. Which uh, is a good thing with uh, one of the newer cards coming out uh, here with Bladehold. There's Battlecry and then the token generation. You need to order where the tokens come in first and then Battlecry resolves. Otherwise, you're just going to have Battlecry resolve and then the tokens are going to come in just as one ones instead of the plus one plus zero on them. So yeah, you definitely need to figure out how to, to you know, order your triggers and such. That's true. For newer players, um, you know, make sure... Sometimes people will be tricky like that. You'll, so check out Hero Blade Hold. It has two different abilities on it. You're going to always make sure that your soldiers come into play before the battle cry goes off. So um, actually on the stack, you would want the battle cry to go off first and then the soldier tokens to go on second because uh, the top of the stack always comes off first. The soldier effect's going to co- go off first. So sometimes you might get uh, another player that's trying to trick you, asking, oh, what, does this happen first? And you'll be like, yeah, sure. And they'll be like, okay, well, then your soldier tokens come into play without plus one, plus zero. 
And so be on the lookout for that kind of stuff. But that's how the stack works. It goes, it goes, uh, affects stack on one on top of the other. And then they, they resolve, um, from the top of the stack down. So that's kind of, you got to visualize it as like kind of effects going on top of each other. Uh, yeah. Um, he basically brings up a point where also do not let other players like lead you along that you're playing against. Like some players will, you know, try to, to trick you into following their play. Like they're following, you know, how they want to, how they want you to block or something. You know, think everything out for yourself. Don't follow people along. You know, just, don't trust people that you're playing. Yeah, if somebody keeps interrupting you while you're trying to think, just shove a finger in their face and, you know. Or make middle. a fist and give their <laughs> teeth minus three, minus three. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, you know, not in a DCI-sanctioned event. We wouldn't want any uh, official bannings to come from this this advice. But stand up Unless for yourself. Unless that guy's a pro, then punch him, because it's going to be awesome. Yeah, make a name for yourself real quick that way. <laughs> All right, uh, Zmax tip number five. I forgot to mention this. This is uh, these are Zmax tips. Um, number five, trade. He says, "Trust me, I never buy any individual cards. There's a good chance that someone has a card you need. Trade for it." Um, he also says, "Caution. Know the value of your cards. It is it's your job to make sure you don't get ripped off. Not everyone is fair." So, what do you guys think? True or false? Oh yeah, I love to trade, and you know, trading helps you develop, you know, relationships with other other players, and you learn certain things. And it's a great way to to build decks because I mean, some things people don't have that you have, and et cetera. And it's just trading is awesome. True that, but like he says, I know the value of your cards. Um, I know before I go to a Friday Night Magic five time to spend like a half hour, I'll go to. Uh, I like to look at TCGPlayer.com. I mean, you can go check. A lot of people use the Star City games or Channel Fireball prices. Um, so you can go ahead and go on there, look up the cards that you know are valuable or people have shown interest in before. Um, just so you know what the monetary value is, so that way that, you know, if, you, if you're happy with the trade, if both parties are happy, then it's a good trade. But, um, you know, you might go back later and find out that you traded a $20 card for a $2 card. And even though you're happy at the time, it's probably going to piss you off a little, little later down the line. So, you know, don't get burned. Make sure you know what the value is. Um, I know when I started out playing... I uh, traded away a Portal Armageddon, which I busted out of a booster pack, for a uh, <laughs> a uh, Whiptail Worm, which is an eight-five vanilla worm creature for uh, like seven mana. So, uh, and while I was really happy with it because it was like the highest powered creature I had seen, I was like, "Oh, sweet! It's so got such a high power. I'm I'm never gonna lose with this." Uh, um, at the time, clearly Armageddon is a better card, even though, you know, when you're a newer player, you might not see why destroying all your lands is uh, a good thing. But trust me, it's a good card. <laughs> hmm. you, you always got to know the value of your cards. I've had some bad trades before where I wasn't, you know, paying attention to the value of cards. Like uh, when reflecting full, uh, full came back into standard, uh, I traded one off for a few uncommons. I was like, you know... Didn't Which really card? About at that time, a reflecting pool. A uh, reflecting pool, right? Yeah. For any color mana that any of your other lands can produce. Right. And uh, yeah, I traded off for a few uncommons and stuff like that that I needed at the time. I looked back at that and I was like, oh wow, I lost out big time. <laughs> 
for sure. But, uh, yep, yeah, so there you have it. Be aware of what you got. Um, so ZMAX says hopefully that helps someone, and he also has an article or two on the Arkham Games Facebook page, which is the store we play at here in LaVale, Maryland. Um, so check out the Arkham Games Facebook page. It's spelled like the Asylum. And uh, so good. Uh, I thought those. I think those are some pretty all very uh, via, you know, viable and good tips. So um, he did a great job with that, and you know he's in the area here, so maybe we'll even have him on the show here sometime to uh, see what else he could contribute. <laughs> all right. So that's pretty much it for our, our uh, email from listeners. Um, I would love to get some more comments. I would love to get some more tweets. I'm Travis D. Jones on Twitter, so so add me at Travis D. Jones. And uh, you can get me on my email at manekitora at hotmail.com, which I believe will be in the show notes, so just check that out. And uh, how can we reach you guys? Well, you can reach me at zephys at gmail.com. That's z-e-p-h-y-s at gmail.com. Good send me anything you like. Uh, I love getting new deck lists. I'll give opinions on anything you send me. And Chris? All right. You can contact me at bunsonator at gmail.com. That's B-U-N-S-O-N-A-T-O-R at gmail. Yes. And I want naked pictures of your moms. Uh, Well, that all depends on the mom, I suppose. I want them all. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Um, you know what he's into now. He's into the cougars, the mills. <laughs> uh, all right, but yeah, please send us any deck ideas you got, any anything you, any cards you would want us to discuss. Uh, especially, I'm look, always looking for a new store of the week. Could be your store. Just tell us about what's what's good about it, and uh, you know what what they do to help your community out. What's going on there? Love to make your store the store of the week. Actually, one thing I forgot to mention last time was uh, that I'm going to try to have a contest here. And I haven't even decided on what the prize is going to be yet, but it's going to be a very slow-rolled contest. So I don't think anybody's going to get it too soon. But uh, So every week I'm just going to give a new clue as to I'm thinking of a card. I got a card in my mind, and I'm going to give a new clue as to what it is, and uh, it's going to probably take a while for somebody to, to guess it. But So my first clue for this week is that it is an, a regular, it is a magic card used in, you know, it's like Legacy Legal. It's a Legacy Legal magic card. Um, it's, it's not one of the Power Nine, it's not a banned vintage card. It's Legacy Legal, and it's, you know, it's not unglued, unhinged, Vanguard, any kind of trick card like that. It's just a normal card. So, uh, I'm not going to repeat any of these, so if you're listening to the show from week to week and you can pick up what the card is, and uh, the first person to guess it, I'll take one entry from per person per week. If you can guess what the card is out of all the cards in Magic right now, then uh, I will make, we'll make sure you get something sweet, and I will uh, we'll try to come up with a decent prize here and let you know what that is as soon as possible. All right, so what do you guys think of that? Sound pretty fun? Sounds great. I think it's a swamp. Uh, well, that's your guess for the week then, but uh, unfortunately Wait. you're inc- incorrect, sir. <laughs> so, so it can't be survival since it's not legacy legal. Um, yeah, let's. Well, it's not survival, so there's your guess for the week. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, see what uh, guesses people come up with whenever we start giving some more information away. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. Sorry it's taken so long to get this uh, podcast out to you guys. We've been getting some positive feedback, and I don't want to want it to take two weeks in between podcasts. We been trying to record you know we had the holiday season it's kind of difficult to find time but uh you know we've had been having technical difficulties but so far this program seems to be working out um once again thanks to robert the beamy for uh letting me know what to use and uh so hopefully we'll try to be a little bit more regular with this so uh let's peace out you guys uh got anything to uh say chris keep it nerdy y'all all right, sweets and Robert. Don't slow roll your opponents. Don't like slow. Yeah, if you're gonna roll them, do it real quick. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, everyone, and for the rest for everyone here at Magic in the Middle of Nowhere. Peace out. This is Major Tom to Ground Control. Stars look very different today